throw. Pastor's Cut podcast for the week of September 17th, 2023, and as the music was rolling, I was thinking about how long we have been doing this. It, are we coming up on the two-year mark of this podcast? And I, I, I want to feel—it feels like we started this in the fall. Uh, maybe I, we should look back on that and see. Brad, you're our research guy. Would I you? Am, I'm, I'm, I'm on it. Well, just I don't have the answer yet, but I'll, I I'll, I'll keep I'll keep roll, rolling on. But I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, we're coming up probably on two years of doing this uh, premier First Baptist Tulsa podcast. So, uh, and we're recording this right after Labor Day, and this is for the week of September 17th. We're starting our Apostles' Creed uh, teaching series. But before we do that, while we're waiting for Brad to answer our trivia question. The first Pastor's Cut podcast was August, well, and that I have on the computer here. That can't be right. Nope, never mind. Just just never mind. It's, it's, it says 22. Uh, it was so, August of 22, so maybe we have them in a different year. I'm looking for the filings here. Okay, keep keep looking for the filings. What? So while we're waiting for the answer from Brad, um, Super Dave, we have a community group expo for those who are Listening to this before September 10th, we've got a community group expo coming up this Sunday morning. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? So on Sunday morning, our church campus will look a little bit differently. We will have uh, all of our community groups on display. The 34 that meet on campus and the four that meet off campus will be showing off the best and the brightest of who they are and what they're about so that we can have an opportunity to see what makes our church so unique from every other church. We have... 38 vibrant community groups, and so I believe we're going to be blown away with with all of the great options we have. Probably too many options, honestly, and we've talked about this before internally as a staff. We've talked about how do we make it not feel like it's so many options that there's no options. So my challenge to you as a community group leader, as you're showing up on Sunday, be ready just to invite people to go to your group. Capture, get a cell phone number, and invite that person that week just to, to interact with them to attend your group. That's what'll make the difference. Not not having the best table. Not that the best table wouldn't be great because the best table would be wonderful, but what really will make a difference is the one-on-one interaction you do get with people. So let's be creative with this. You know, if I were setting up a table, I'd, I would have a big bowl of candy and I would pelt people as they go by. <laughs> I think th- that sounds oh. like a good idea. Or even better yet, instead of candy, how about barbecued meats? Just pelt people with it. Have just barbecue ribs out. Brad, we were talking about ribs before. <sighs> we were. Have a big old slab of ribs and just, just throw mm. ribs at people. I think that's... Be creative. Have fun with this. Uh, it's an opportunity. We're, right now, we're hovering about the 1,000 mark uh, of, of attendance in community groups and 1,100 in worship. So there's a gap, and there's a growing gap there as we continue to come back from COVID. You know, easily there's going to be 100-plus people on mm-hmm. campus Sunday morning who don't have a community group, and we want everyone to connect. So, Brad, any answers yet on our podcast story? Yeah, I'm working on it. Oh, okay. Well, I, well, I think the first one that I have came out on January 6th, 2022. So 
Okay. That would be. So it's not. Uh, I'm it's digging not quite, through 21 right oh, now. Oh, he's digging through 20. So it's further back. Look well, no, that. no, no. I didn't say I found a podcast. In okay. 21. I'm looking at the podcast load up site. Friends at oh, home, okay. I have lost control of this podcast. I'm trying to talk <laughs> well, about oh, Jesus. I technically never had it. But it's I good. never I never had it. Okay, Brad <laughs> will continue to dig while Dave and I talk a little theology. Marissa's out today um, because of school schedules and teacher in service days. And so here we are together. And we are starting the teaching series January on... January 11th, 2022 is what I have here. Okay, January 11th, 2022. Very good. Okay, so we're coming up on two years. I think um, in January we need to have a special two-year anniversary celebration. A new theme song. A, on, new, a new theme song. On the, on the anniversary. New hosts. <laughs> new hosts. <laughs> the hosts are pretty cool. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll figure out something. If if I tell you what, if you have suggestions, email me, pastor at tulsafpc.org, If you have a special two year anniversary suggestion, um, and we'll go from there. So, all right. So we're beginning our teaching series on the seventeenth uh, regarding the Apostles' Creed. And for those of you who have a more liturgical background, there's nothing new or surprising about this. But for a lot of Baptists. They probably have never even heard of the Apostles' Creed. And just take the word credo, it means I believe or I am believing. And while Baptists typically are a non-credal people, we all have those bottom line beliefs that we hold dear. And if you, you want to dig a little bit more into the Apostles' Creed, you can go back and look at the previous podcast that I recorded a few weeks ago, just an overview of the Apostles' Creed, give you a bit of a history and the context for that. But I want to be very clear that we're not studying specifically the Apostles' Creed, although it is a great 100-word summation of the New Testament, what we're doing is we're discussing the themes here and going to Scripture and saying, here is really what we believe. And the opening clause of the Apostles' Creed, and by the way, it's a Trinitarian format. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The opening clause says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And everything about that statement we affirm as followers of Jesus, that we believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So Dave, I'm going to turn it over because I've been monologuing for long enough. As, as we look at that clause, uh, I'm going to talk here in a minute specifically about God the Father, but I mean, what, what part of that clause are you drawn to he brought a lot of books with him today. <laughs> I, I just grabbed a couple of books off my bookshelf because I thought they would be good, uh, helpful for, for you if you want to dive deeper and look good. at a little bit more of what some of the concepts that we'll discuss, not only from the Apostles' Creed, but also looking at the passage of Scripture that Darren has chosen for this week and how they all interplay together. So as I look at that, as I step even back a little bit further from looking at the Apostles' Creed at a 10,000-foot view, I think it does a good job of explaining the who, what, when, where, how, why of who we are and why we exist, how we were created to work with each other, all that stuff. I also think that the prayer that we'll look at for the passage does much the same. And so as, as I'm looking at and, and trying to analyze who, what, when, where, why, I believe in God the Father God isn't some distant or aloof. God, God is close. God is our, our heavenly Father. He wants to have a close relationship with us, and not just a close relationship, but 
maybe even for some people who've had a bad relationship with their dad, we can have a real father who genuinely loves us, who genuinely cares about us. That means actually we're adopted as children of God. The Almighty God who created everything, who sustains everything, who holds everything in the palm of his hand, that God wants to walk with us. He invites us to walk with him. And so there's something about that, that relationship where he extends his hand towards us. And if I were to begin, I'd almost talk about that. What are you doing to, to work on your relationship with God? Do you think about God as actually extending his hand to you? So we'll, we'll look at the prayer here in just a moment. And it's often misnamed. It's called the Lord's Prayer. It's really our prayer. It's a prayer that Jesus gave to us. Mm -hmm. But as Dave alluded to, there are many, many reasons not to call God Father. Um, maybe it's because we had a bad father ourselves, and so we don't want to put that on God. And there, there are many, many reasons I've heard over the years. Um, some people consider it to be sexist to call God Father and not Mother. There's a lot of reasons not to call God Father, but there's one prevailing reason to call God Father, and that's because that's what Jesus taught us to do. Mm -hmm. He taught us to call God Father. And basically, the idea of Father in the ancient world is not unlike what it is in the modern world, that uh, the Father is both the authority over the house, and He is also an intimate. We know Him well. And so when Jesus calls God Father, it's the idea that we just don't all live by our own authority getting to do. We, we have a Father who is the ultimate authority and has the final say-so in our lives. But also this authority is intimate to us. And in fact, many of the wounds people have about not having a good earthly Father, it points to that very need that we have. I mean, we have a deep need to have a parent who both cares for us and watches over us, and that is God. And so Jesus taught us to pray, our Father. So I do find it interesting today, Marissa is not here, so we have three dads in the room, although I think Brad stepped out of the room. Is he gone? No, I'm there here. he is. He's still there. He's okay. hiding behind the computer. Or asleep. No, I'm definitely You're all in. You're riveted. So we have, three, we have three dads here in the room, and so, um, you know, if I'm teaching this uh, community group, if there are other dads in the room, I might say, what's your favorite part about being a father? And just listen for those little things that might come up that point to to God being a father. So I'll, I'll throw that out for you guys. Brad, Dave, um, what's your favorite part about being a dad? Oh, you were looking at me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> ah, well, okay. Um, my favorite part about being a dad, I'm not prepared to make a statement on That's this. That's okay. Um, I mean, I'll go first if you want me to. I've, I've, since yeah, I've that would be great. So okay. I need to learn to articulate what I'm trying to say. So, so for me, I'm at that phase. Of course, I love the cute phase where they were saying cute little words and, you know, they wanted to help. And all It of is that. so much fun being in that phase, and it's so... Challenging being in that phase all at the same time. If, if you didn't hear me just whisper, shut up. I miss those days. Oh, man. So um, what I'm enjoying right now as an empty nester is seeing my kids grow up. And, and what my wife and I said over the years is we're not raising kids, we're raising adults. And so to see them become married, productive members of society, I rejoice in their maturity. And I think about that with God, how much must he rejoice when he says, Darren, you're finally getting it. This whole idea of love, okay, way to go. I'm glad you're, patience, way to go. I'm glad you're getting this. I think God rejoices when his children start to act mature. 
and I, that's a part of parenting I'm enjoying right now, and I could see where God would enjoy the same thing as our Father. All right, so, uh, Brad, not to put you on the spot again, maybe Dave, if, you want to go If you're not ready, next? I'm ready, Brad. Go, Dave, go. So, I, it doesn't matter how many times I do it, I just love every time I get the chance to, I can physically watch my kids grow, they, they grow like two inches taller when I speak words of affirmation to them. Each of my kids, they're, they're big words of affirmation as part of their oh, love language. Good. And so just a simple, hey, you did that really well, buddy. I love how, like when I'm talking to Christopher, Christopher, you care so much about your sisters. I love how you, how you worked hard to put them first this morning when you did this thing. And he just physically grows. You can see his stature grow and improve. It's just the cutest thing. There you go. So you could apply that to God the Father easily. Mm-hmm. When every time the Scripture gives a truth that when God says, "I have loved you with an everlasting love," that should make us grow. I mm-hmm. mean, it, to know that we are loved, um, even when we blow, even when we blow it. Right. All right, Brad. We we stalled long enough. All right. What um, you got? I. <laughs> and if you want to pass, it's no, okay. I don't want to pass. I did, just want to say something did, carefully. Did you enjoy being a dad? Oh, I love. I still I, enjoy. I still. I think I enjoy being a dad more now. Yeah. Um, I having raised two boys and rather close together in age. I mean, um, I wasn't real smart for a while there. From about their ages of fifteen to about twenty-two. I seem to have lost my intelligence factor. <laughs> you know, you, you bef- do. Before that, I was, you know, the world's greatest dad and I knew everything. And now I'm coming back around to gaining um, a place of respect in their lives. And, and that's rewarding to see them mature enough to understand, yeah, I didn't do everything right. And I wasn't the most knowledgeable person in the world, but they turned out pretty good, and they seem to be very grateful for that. Yeah. And they and they mention it more than once. So, um, you know, that's that's um, that's a rewarding when they sit down and say, "Hey, Dad, you did good." You know. Yeah, um, and when we go through those phases of being dumb as a stump, and uh, Dave, your day's coming. Don't don't worry about it. Don't fret. It's coming. I, I see the tween days today, yeah. so it's just a matter of time before tween turns into well more than tween. It's it's an exercise of patience, and I see how mm. God does the same thing with us because there are years of our lives where we go, God, you don't know what you're talking about, and it turns out He does. Mm-hmm. If I'm teaching this too, I'm going to have a, a special sensitivity to those who carry a lot of guilt for kids who have gone off the rails or gone astray or life has not turned out well for their kids. And uh, a lot of parents carry around that guilt. And, and listen, God is the perfect parent, and he still has kids that go off the rails, right? So that, of Ooh, course, of course, yeah. we feel responsibility <laughs> for our kids, and, and maybe there is some, um, you know, I could have done this better, I should have done this better. We all have that. But you could be the perfect parent, i.e. God the Father, and still kids are going to go off the rails. We each are mm. responsible for our own decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so one more thing I want to say, and then we'll, we'll look at the prayer in particular. But if you haven't picked up on this, the idea of I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, there's a sense in which God is infinite, but also he's intimate, and we're focusing on that intimate piece. I believe in God the Father 
I really do like what one Anglican prayer book says, um, like all loving and sincere earthly fathers, and listen to this quartet, God loves us in our weakness, provides for our needs, teaches us in our ignorance, and corrects us when we go astray. That really is a pretty well-rounded definition, good definition of what a capable father looks like. And so to use that to say, here's, and if I were teaching this, I would explore each of those four ways and say, how does God do this? But also, how can we do this with our children, be a father, mother, or grandchildren? God loves us in our weakness. Kids can't do anything when they're born. Have you noticed that? They can't do anything. So, so parents, we're, we're there to help them in their weakness, provide mm-hmm. for their needs even before they know what those needs are, teaches us in our ignorance, and corrects us when we go astray. So, uh, Dave, before we get into the prayer, let's address the big stack of books you have in front of you. Are ma- you making okay. some recommendations? So I, I have, I've got two books here. I have, a, I have a Bible that's a serendipity Bible. If, if you're teaching in a community group and you're looking for a good resource that, that helps just simply look through each passage of Scripture, I have a serendipity Bible for you, or you can go look on Amazon for your copy of one. They're out of print. Uh, the publisher stopped printing them a couple of years ago. But it's such a good resource, and you can find a used copy that honestly has never been touched, because most of them, churches bought them, they let them sit on bookshelves, they didn't do anything with them, which is sad, because it's such a good resource. So when you look at the Lord's Prayer, as an example, in Matthew, you can actually see that this, this particular Bible breaks down each passage from a very surface level, just sort of interpreting the passage to a... Um, to then a contextual issue, looking at verses in context with other verses, to application issues. It's really a good resource for you. The second one, because the Lord's Prayer in particular talks about the kingdom of God. You can't talk about the kingdom of God from a theological perspective. You can't talk about the kingdom of God. At the end of the day, you don't need any of these books outside of the Bible, because that's, that's more than enough. Scripture is sufficient, obviously. But um, there's a really good book called The Gospel of the Kingdom by George Eldon Ladd. He published it in the early 60s, if I remember right, and he just simply goes through the four Gospels and looks at how does Jesus address the kingdom of God, and and how does he define it, and from that he extrapolates the kingdom of God as a present reality as well as a future reality, and he coins the phrase inaugurated eschatology, big heavy words Mm. that basically mean we can experience God's presence in the here and now, but it's also something in the future, and God is pulling us towards that future. Your kingdom come. There's another book that talks about that a little bit more uh, called Breakthrough by Derek Morphew. That's from a third wave perspective, so it, it does have a little bit of Jesus people language in it. It's Derek Morphew is a scholar in South Africa. He was mentored by John Wimber, who, who taught classes with George Eldon Ladd at Fuller Seminary. And so there's, there's your connection there. He says a pretty good thing, I think, that sums up the kingdom. Let's see if I can find it really quick. If not, it's okay. Um, he says, you can define the kingdom of God in the New Testament as the kingdom of God will come, the kingdom of God has come, the kingdom of God is coming immediately, and the kingdom of God will be delayed. There's these four layers to it, and underlying all of that is God is king. That's right. Yeah, you take the word kingdom, just lop off the suffix, and you got the word king. Yeah. So I do want to look at the, the Lord's Prayer just a bit, and I'll, I'll do some real high-level stuff here, but the, the idea of God being our Father drives the rest of the prayer. 
because essentially there's nothing that we can't ask him, big or small. Mm-hmm. And so our Father in heaven, uh, hallowed be your name, may honor be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. I mean, we're asking for some big picture eternal things here. And uh, great exercise is to pray through the Lord's Prayer one clause at a time and then just kind of, Brad, what do you call it when, uh, when you uh, are playing a song and you just kind of go, you go rogue and you kind of, is it called vamping? What do you call it? Riffing? Improv? Improv? Well, yeah, if you're just looping a section of music, that could be called a vamp or a loop. Sure. Okay. What What if there's everyone else kind of lays down a pad of music and an instrumentalist just kind of goes free form? I'm looking for a word here. Improv or solo. Yeah. Yeah, solo, improv. Maybe it's not scripted. So Ad lib. Ad lib. That's the word I'm looking for. So you can ad lib with the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. You can just talk about God's name and his goodness, his kingdom come, your will be mm-hmm. done in every area that's going on in life. So, and now as I'm looking at the prayer, if you were to imagine the entire Lord's Prayer as a door, the hinge is the last phrase of verse 10, on earth as it is in heaven. So verses 9 and 10, everything is talking about these big picture eternal things, um, your name, your kingdom, your will, but now I'm going to bring it down to earth. And for the rest of the prayer, again, God is our Father, there's nothing we can't ask Him for. Give us today our daily bread. It's not, he doesn't say, give us our steak. <laughs> Sometimes there's a difference between what we want and what we need. Mm-hmm. So we ask for what we need. Forgive us our debts. That This is forgiveness. This is relational rifts. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. So we pray about heaven. We also pray about what's in front of us on earth. And over it all, you see again the majesty of the Father in heaven. You see his authority over everything but you also see his intimacy in our daily lives. There's nothing we can't take to God our Father because he is the ultimate authority, and he is our ultimate intimacy. And I, I love how, how as you pray the prayer, and it does make that flip, it's almost as if we're praying, okay, God, you're, you're out there. Now let your rule, your reign, because of what you did, because ultimately this is before the cross, but because of what Jesus did through the cross, Help us to live differently in light of that. Help us to live out our relationship with you in the way we forgive other people, in the way we're not trying to gather everything under the sun to hoard things, but just to anticipate our basic needs. Help us to to trust you for that instead of worrying about tomorrow. That's right. So we can make up our thoughts about God. Uh, We can speculate or we can lean on revelation. And Jesus revealed God as our Father. you could take this in a couple of different directions. God's not a stranger. He's somebody that we've known our whole lives. Uh, he's, he's an intimate. Uh, God's not a grandfather. Um, he's our father. So it's not like, okay, well, he was father to my parents, and, and God's kind of this old guy in the sky. That's not who he is. He is our father. He is our authority. He's our intimate. Uh, you can take that off in another in several other directions about who God is not, but who he is, as Jesus reveals him, is Father. And so we can say, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So we're going to kind of button things up. Dave, Brad, anything y'all really want to say? What do you think Marissa would say if she were sitting here? She would probably give us some Jewish heritage and history yes, she that's would. behind the the... The Lord's Prayer, there, there is a little bit of potential precedence there in another prayer in uh, 
synagogue practice and synagogue worship, so she'd probably give us that. Thanks, Marissa. Thank you. She would probably also give us some beautiful context to the Lord's Prayer to help us personalize it in our walk with God in, in intimacy with Him, because she always invites us to deeper intimacy. And then she would throw a zinger at one of us. I don't know who it would be. I'm going to say it's going to be Brad today. I'll take it. All right. Good. <laughs> well, now that we've mocked Marissa, is there anything else we need to talk about today? Anything else that uh, was on your minds as we talked about God being our Father? I think you raised a really good point earlier in, in the passages. You talked about praying through this passage verse by verse, and maybe even improving it a little bit, you know, just chewing on one phrase and then just praying a little bit more about that, that can develop incredible intimacy in your personal walk with God. That could also do something pretty profound for your community group. If, if you sit around the circle together and spend the last 10 minutes of, of community group and pray through each phrase and let other people just throw out their thoughts about that in prayer to there God, go. we can learn from each other about who God is, and what we're getting from the passage all at once. A little ad-lib, a little bit of amping there as, as you pray through. That's a great idea. Uh, I want to challenge our community group leaders as well. Um, this coming Sunday, if you're listening to this before the 10th, this coming Sunday you're going to get a 4 by 4 card. Uh, you'll hear about this more in my midweek update, and I'll be talking about it. But it's praying for four people over the course of the next four months, uh, praying for somebody in your family, uh, somebody in your neighborhood, somebody who's a friend, somebody in your workplace who doesn't know Christ, to choose four people to pray about for the next four months, and then uh, to take these so seriously that in our community groups we let others know who we're praying for, that uh, as we know God as Father, we want other people to know Him as Father as well. So with that, I think I'm going to sign off. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, now and forever. Amen. Amen.